Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. Today on Housing Wire Daily, I'm joined by senior mortgage reporter Bill Conroy to dig into the non-QM lenders and what he's seeing there as second quarter earnings are announced. Bill, welcome back to the podcast. Yeah. Hello. How are you doing? I am doing great. But boy, I know you guys are busy on the news side, uh, just cranking out these great stories, especially we're right in the middle of earnings season. And uh, you're focused on on some very specific companies. Let's talk first about um, one of the stories that you published earlier this week called There's More Blood on the Tracks in the Non-QM Market. Really interesting. Uh, you looked at a REIT, uh, Western Asset Mortgage Capital. Um, and really, you know, it, it's endemic of, of some other things that are happening. So tell me what you found there. Well, it is very much a pattern. And and uh, the the long short with Western, Western Asset is they're really focused on the non-QM market or they, they kind of Put a focus on it, so they were they they basically got a portfolio of loans uh, that were at you know lower coupons as this market kept zipping upwards, and so they they have this huge portfolio that's essentially underwater. I mean, in terms of the fair market value versus you know what the the principal amount of the loans is, like forty four million dollars underwater, and and uh, you know they posted back to back. $22 million losses, you know, the first and second quarter of the year. So they announced that, you know, they're uh, taking some strategic initiatives, including looking at a possible sale or merger. Um, I mean, that's one way of dealing with, with these challenges is, is you, you, you know, there's three ways, right? You, you sell or merge, you go out of business or declare bankruptcy, or you find a way to bolster um, your cash positions and your warehouse lines to ride this thing out and and kind of you know work through these. They're not bad loans. I mean, these loans are perfectly good. They're well underwritten. They're just bad prices, <laughs> as uh, Keith Lind at Acro Lending. And and uh, what what what's happened? You know, since I reported that story, I'm working on one this morning. Um, this isn't news that they reported earnings, but the pattern's the same. Um, two other REITs, Redwood Trust and um, you know Angel Oak, which is a, a, a non-QM lender. And Redwood is really heavy. Uh, they do some some business purpose lending, but more, they're real heavy into jumbo loans, which also are taking it on the chin in this market or have. And so um, they were a little more revealing in terms of you know, both of them posted. Losses. I mean, Redwood had a huge second quarter loss, like 100 million, and and 52 million for um, Angel Oak, which is part of a family of companies. But the read is public, so you can see their numbers. And really, for the first half of the year, they're down like 90. They, you know, Red Ink is 90 million plus, I think 95. So, but the pattern here is, you know, and both of them will say this in earnings reports is that. Uh, um, you know, there it's this volatile rate environment where rates are like today. Freddie came out with the the weekly report. The rates are back up to five. The thirty year average fixed for three uh, or five point two two percent, right? And we were at rates around three percent, some a little lower last year. So so that's just a really huge jump up in rates in half a year, and a lot of that took place in the first, you know, the end of the first quarter uh, through May. It was happening for sure. 
Um, and all these loans that were booked at the lower rates were kind of losing value, you know, either as a whole loan trades or even securitization as rates kept going up because the newer the newer coupon uh, loans were in more demand from investors, et cetera. So that, that makes perfect sense. But there's this huge volume of lower rate loans on these on the books of, well, in this case, three of the REITs that, that got to be worked through somehow. Um, and in the case, in, in once rates stabilize a little, um, I'll talk about that with some of the, the projections. Um, things will get back to more normal, more normal uh, a market. But until they do, we, we're going to be, you know, dealing with the with more blood on the tracks, if you will. And in the case of Redwood and, and Angel Oak, um, and and you're seeing this with with uh, the QM lenders, if you will, versus non QM. I know the big the big ones like UWM and so forth. Um, they're all bolstering liquidity, right? They're all making sure they have strong cash and and in expanding their warehouse lines to, to make sure they can ride this out. The same thing with Redwood and Angel Oak. Um, that's both of them expanded their warehouse lines and are bolstering their their cash positions. Make sure they have some liquidity um, to basically deal with with uh, with this 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 pipeline that they got of loans that they um, You know, even in the case of Redwood, they said at this point, um, you know, majority of the the, lo- the jumbo loans that they have in inventory are still at the lower coupons. So they worked through a bunch of them, you know, and took a hit this quarter. We'll see what happens next quarter, but I, I think it's possible we're going to see more of this, you know, even in the third quarter. Um, you know, and it, it doesn't mean these these companies are going to fail by any means. The ones that are well capitalized that that have access to, to uh, warehouse lines, you know, dependable warehouse lines, or can even expand them, you know, have the ability to kind of ride this out, right? Um, it's it's the smaller lenders, um, the ones that aren't well capitalized or thinly capitalized, or that can't access the capital markets easily, or the or the or the loan market, the warehouse market, so forth. Um, they're having issues, and we've seen, you know, first guarantee mortgage declare bankruptcy. They they owe their warehouse lenders like I think it was four hundred plus million, right? Um, and Sprout is kind of missing in action. They shuttered their doors. We still don't really know what the full picture is on that. On that, but in in both cases, um, you know, it, it it's clear that the the interest rate volatility in in the uh, loan pricing. Uh, you know, the inability to, to move these loans either through the whole loan market or the securitization market, you know, without taking, um, you know, is, is just the, a big part of the problem right now. Um, but it is temporary, assuming you, you know, believe that things don't always go down a sinkhole completely, just like everything goes up, <laughs> nothing goes down. I'd like to believe yeah. that. I would like to believe that life in general is not just a, a sinkhole. Right, right. Covers. So what goes down must go up at some point. So there is, you know, there is some talk. We don't know. It's so far ahead. But, you know, at least crystal ball gazing that once the Fed, you know, a lot of this is being driven by the Fed. It's monetary tightening right now, right? They Because of inflation. Um, which is a problem in and of itself that we do have to tackle, but the 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 uh, medicine for it is pretty bitter, and that's jacking rates and trying to slow down, um, you know, kind of the demand in this in the in the society uh, for goods and services, so that we kind of kind of check inflation. But a byproduct of that is this rate volatility that that you know, and it hits the housing market particularly hard. But some folks think once we get even if we get a mild recession, 
right now, as one person put it to me, we're in a Wall Street defined recession. Wall Street defines two negative cores, but really it's the job market is the next big X factor as to whether, and that, that seems to be strong and getting, and getting stronger, but who knows, four or five months out. And <clears throat> if the economy slows to any degree, the Fed is expected to stop this tightening, you know, early next year. And if there's any uh, hints that the economy is, is, is sinking a little bit, then there might even be a reversal of monetary tightening and we might see rates dip down again. At that point, you know, you end up with things like, you know, the possibility of a mini refi boom. And, and we've seen those in the past. You know, if rates are up 6% and they drop to 5%, I mean, a lot of people are going to refi at that, especially with high, well, with the high. That's a big difference on, uh, on some of the West Coast, East Coast properties where you're talking about 700 to a million dollars median uh, prices, even a half a point. So, you know, even when you measure the cost of refining. And so I, I think there's, there's, if, if the, the lenders that can ride out this year, and that's really kind of what we're looking at with plummeting originations and refis and so forth. You know, uh, as one, one uh, source I talked to said, if that happens and we can see some, some rate stabilizations or even drops, you know, maybe we can start this baby back up again. Right. That's kind of the way it's kind of come to a crawl, but you know, the engine, you know, needs some work. Once we get it done, we can, we can, you know, start it back up. Um, I know that, you know, I talked to uh, Logan Motoshami, our lead analyst on a regular basis and have him on this podcast twice a week. And yesterday, you know, he was talking about the fact that uh, he feels like in some ways, I mean, the the Fed, they, they can try to do what they want at this point. Um, it's not affecting mortgage rates like it was, right? Even if, the, even if as they raise and, and there are some indications that inflation might be cooling and, and that might help them to not do that. But you wrote a story um, this week that's been really interesting to our readers, which is about UWM bolstering cash flow with MSR sales. So, you know, higher rates isn't bad for, for every part of the market, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, that's the other side of the, the coin, um, and that's a complex market. But in general, as these rates as rates have gone up this year, the value of MSRs, meaning mortgage servicing rights, have because uh, mortgage servicing rights, when rates go up, refis go down, and that means that the length of uh, you know prepayments on mortgages drop, and that makes MSRs more valuable because they stretch out longer and they have you know they pay interest longer and so forth, so they they have more value. Um, and you know, up to a point where you get where we're we're basically at that point now, where rates are are, are so high that the you know added amount of of uh, you know benefit you get is is very minimal. I think it's when you get to six to eight percent prepayment rate, that's considered a natural rate that you would have with death and relocation, and um, you know, as things get um, a higher percentage, which we were clearly at before this, that 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 is impacted by rates. So um, we've we've but but even now, even though the prepayment rates are kind of at their max or at their lowest levels, you know, and they're not going to be affected by rates anymore. Um, the volume of deals out there is is still high, and you know in in the multiples that they pay, they may have been up around you know this is on net multiples of net servicing fee up around five. I, I have to look at my story. I think it's five to five and a quarter. They may have dropped to four, you know, into the fours, but it's still a good deal. So um, you basically can can you know convert your MSR assets into cash uh, by by selling them or some folks are taking the route of securitizing them, which isn't quite as economically effective, I understand. But um, uh, UWM, in their case, yeah, they've got 
the first uh, two quarters, it was like 800 million plus of MSRs that they've cashed in and they got another 300 million plus that's set to hit the, the third quarter. Um, now, that's not a, an addition to, 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 to the uh, income stream um, because they're, they're not technically revenue, but it does create, it gives you cash position and liquidity to, to deal with your operations. And they've clearly been doing that. On top of which, what does accrue to the bottom line is the increase in value of MSRs, which, you know, you know, uh, everybody's seeing in this environment, most lenders, and including UWM. So that's also helped their bottom line. So um, plus they're increasing their warehouse lines and so forth. So, you know, the big ones, the big, so far, what I mean, I haven't dug through everyone's 10 Qs or you know, filings, but um, Rocket, UWM for sure are definitely in, in, in decent liquidity positions, even though they're, their bottom lines are getting stung by this this mess that everyone else is dealing with. Um, so that's that's you know more earnings are coming out. It's 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 one of those seasons where the things are moving so fast that you know if if you take time to slow down, you get run over. So you got to kind of run with it and then figure out you know kind of you know dive in and figure out what's going on as you can. But but that's basically the trend I'm seeing is the lenders that have been able to hedge well, been able to you know bolster liquidity. Uh, you know, particularly with warehouse lines and cash positions and and MSR sales, um, are in much better position to ride this out than than the ones that don't have uh, access to those options or you know made some bad bets along the way that they can't really. Um, so I don't. I, I wouldn't. I, I'm hoping you know that there aren't any other big failures. There's going to be some pain and red ink. Um, you know, hopefully at least the. the the big player, the, the the bulk of the market, the mar- you know, the, the end, you know, the, the, most of the cylinders in this market um, are going to survive. You know, you know, maybe they're going to need some, <laughs> some, some, some you know, care and attention here and there. But, the, but you know, it's a rough period. You know, and and uh, that that, but people know that that have been around this market. I hear that all the time. This market cycles, and you know, if if you know if you're younger actually someone said if you're younger you've never been through something like this right it's all new to you but some of these older guys that that have been around say well this is you know it's slightly different twists no one's seen a rate bump like this this fast before there's always different twists but it's part of the cycle and 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 you gotta you know you gotta accept that and and learn learn to deal with the you know as someone said you gotta deal with the market where it's at not where you want it to be at and that's that's well, and I think, you know, to your point, um, a lot of younger people are, you know, they just haven't seen, you know, 6% seemed to big, you know, uh, mortgage rates in the sixes were, were pretty amazing. And they were in the sense of like, I mean, it was pretty shocking how fast it happened. But I was talking to a guy yesterday who's been in this business a long time and said that, you know, he, he remembers in the in the 1980s, um, he's a developer and, you know, it, he was thrilled to to buy down um, points on an 11% to get it to nine. <laughs> So he's like, you know, it's it's all where you're coming from on on what is what is really expensive, right? Oh yeah, and and you know, as we're climbing this hill, is you know, every point we go up is a point later that can come down, and and in the housing market tends. To, I mean, there's going to be people that get hurt by falling rates too if they make bad bets, but in general, that's that's a better time for housing, and and uh, you know. So it's 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 a roller coaster. So hang on, but I, but you know we will be going down at some. Um, and if you're not ready for that, you'll miss the boat, right? 
Yeah. And, you know, one of your sources was John Tuhig, right? The managing director of Hold On Sales for Raymond James. And he made that exact point, which was like, you know, the big shops like UWM, Loan Depot will probably do all right. It's the little mortgage companies that are going to get pinched. And yeah. that's absolutely right. Yeah. And, it, and, it's, and it's hard. I mean, um, but that's the nature of the market. And, and uh, you know, it's, it, what's, there's no crying in baseball and there's no crying in the housing market. <laughs> It's hardball. It's just the way it is. I love that. There's no crying in the housing market. Well, and you know, I mean, you do see, you know, uh, UWM to their credit was like, you know, they're hedging their bets by by having the MSRs and then having, you know, being able to sell. Yeah, them. there's some incredibly smart people. I I wouldn't, you know, as a journalist, I, that's probably where I belong. But you know, running these companies and managing these companies through, through these 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 waters. I mean, you know, there's so many variables, uh, and and you know, you you got to give, you know, you you, you got to respect people that that have the the savvy and the smarts to to you know, and the guts in many ways to make calls, and some of them are going to make bad calls. That's just part of life. But a lot of them are getting it right. I think. What are you working on next? What can we look forward to? Um, the the next earnings you you talked about uh, some of the ones you're digging into. Yeah, well, I am trying today to wrap up a just a wrap up story on the earnings, uh, kind of finding what the pattern is for for some of the the, the REITs that are involved in non QM or, or non conforming market. But um, there there's uh, you know the truth of it is I, I I have a plan, but every day I wake up I got to throw it out and start over. <laughs> There's so much happening. So I don't necessarily know day to day, but I am, uh, you know, the big trends are just keeping an eye on on liquidity um, and how people are dealing with that or how lenders are dealing with that. And, you know, there's some other hot markets, some little, little, little bubbles in there that are, that are good, even despite what's going on. And, you know, I'll just say, you know, the HELOC market is not a bad place to be right now. And I'm, I'm working something on that. Um, so, so there's always something, something going on and, and, uh, you know, literally you wake, I wake up and I'm like, you know, I don't know. It's kind of fun in the sense it's new every day, but there, there's a lot, you know, there's no shortage of news. There is no, in this environment. um, we also know that for every, for every company that is announcing layoffs and some of those companies in announcing layoffs, they're getting to right size. They're getting to, um, to really, make some moves in their company that's going to make them stronger. It's not always a sign of weakness when someone does layoffs, but you also always have companies that are going to benefit in a time like this. And non-QM, as, as some of the non-QM companies struggle, you have others who are going to take that market share back if, if they can ride well, through it. it. Ab- absolutely. Um, the ones, you know, and that, that point was made to me, the ones that got ahead of the rate game a little bit, uh, you know, earlier this year and, at the time, looked like villains because they were jacking their rates, and they're you know. But now they're in the you know catbirds position, and they're they're they can, um, you know, start to take advantage of market share a little bit because they're not dealing with the pipeline problems that some of the other lenders are trying to to, to chew through. So yeah, there's winners and losers in in the. You know, t- I, I kind of look at it like TV ratings, like which station has got the top ratings in a given quarter. That kind of Jackals around depending on you know how well they they, they did with their content. Um, it's not it's like that in the mortgage industry too. It you know positions change based on how well they dealt with the cards that they got, and and some some get better hands and play them well, and some get good hands and play them awfully. <laughs> so. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, Bill, thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy schedule trying to cover all this um, to talk to us, keep us up to date. Always a pleasure. Yeah, it is fun. So um, take care and, you know, better times ahead always, right? Absolutely. How have the 2022 housing market forecast changed? Or how is the industry navigating the shift to a purchase-driven market? HousingWire's premium content program, HW+, answers questions like these and offers a variety of member-exclusive benefits that are tailored to what you need to stay competitive and agile in today's fast-paced market. Go to housingwire.com forward slash membership to join today. With your HW Plus membership, you get access to longer-form digital content, the HousingWire magazine, member-exclusive rates to in-person events like HousingWire Annual, and more. Thanks for listening to HousingWire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show or leave a comment. We'll see you back here on Monday for more news and insight.